Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theatre. I am your host, Sir Hector Stewart. This is our 11th episode of the Dog Days of Advent. Joining me in the booth today are Tom Later. Well, howdy, Bob McGruff. I'm here surviving the snake bar. You are a true ray of sunshine. I am, Percy. I am. Don't push me today, Bob. We also have Pierre the Shrimp. Bonjour, Sir Hector. Merci for letting me back on the show. Yes, well, you were always welcome. It was those budget cuts that put you on the bench. We oui, I'm always to blame. I'll never forget. Uh, I'm sitting right here, guys. I'm happy to be here as well, since I pay for it all. Speaking of the bench, I figured that Geronimo would be here. Yes, well, he and Menchek went for a little drive this morning. I think they went fishing or some such. And they're still fishing? That has to have been a long time. It's dark outside. Oh, they were done fishing before lunch. Smee told me that much. Smee's with them too. Well, in a way, as I understand it. Uh, currently just Smee is with Geronimo. They're playing escape room, I believe he said. Where's Menchek? He took my mother out for dinner. Smee said the less I know, the better. Oh, that was bloody great therapy. He's gone from a brown nose and twit, borderline stalker, to a mafia kidnapping henchman. Talk about escalating the situation. Allegedly. Let's not jump to conclusions. I am certain there's no kidnapping going on. Smee is just keeping my annoying brother occupied temporarily. In any case, this conversation is really making my head hurt, and we need to get on with the show. Where's Jeffrey? Yes, well, he was busy trying to figure out how his defences were breached back in episode 9, and got himself locked in the panic room. <laughs> the 24-hour clock should be letting him out around, oh, I don't know, 10pm? He has lost reception. But just before that, he said something about genetically engineered plants and animals, obviously a reference to today's book. Dandy little segue there, Sir Hector. Indeed. Right. The audiobook we are reviewing today is called The Wind-Up Girl. It was written by Pablo Boxigalupi and was narrated by Jonathan Davis. The book was 19 hours and 34 minutes in length and produced by Audible Inc. Jay, why don't you read us the book jacket? Sure thing, Sir Hector. Anderson Lake is a company man. Agrigen's calorie man in Thailand. Undercover as a factory manager, Anderson combs Bangkok streets in search for foodstuffs thought to be extinct, hoping to reap the bounty of history's lost calories. There, he encounters Emiko. Emiko is a wind-up girl, a strange and beautiful creature, one of the new people. Emiko is not human. Instead, she's an engineered being, crash-grown and programmed to satisfy the decadent whims of a Kyoto businessman, but now abandoned on the streets of Bangkok. Regarded as soulless beings by some, devils by others, new people are slaves, soldiers, and toys of the rich in a chilling near future in which calorie companies rule the world. The oil age is past, and the side effects of bioengineered plagues run rampant across the globe. What happens when calories become currency? What happens when bioterrorism becomes a tool for corporate profits? When said bioterrorism's genetic drift forces mankind to the cusp of post-human evolution? In The Wind-Up Girl, award-winning author Pablo Boxigalupi returns to the world of the calorie man, 
Theodore Sturgeon Memorial Award winner and Hugo Award nominee 2006, and Yellow Card Man, Hugo Award nominee 2007, in order to address these poignant questions. Bonus audio, in an exclusive introduction, author Pablo explains how a horrible trip to Thailand led to the idea for The Wind-Up Girl. It was also an Earphones Award winner, Audiophile Magazine. Thank you, Jay. As I never like to start off with negativity, we shall have Tom begin the discussion. Well, I don't know about that, Sir Hector. Well, I love the book. There wasn't much positive about the world these characters were living in. I mean, it's like our world and all its problems but wrapped up to a million. The scary part for me is wondering if this is a real bend downstream of the river we're floating on right now. Are there going to be companies like Monsanto that release deadly organisms into our world that kill all the natural plants? Will we have calorie men roaming the planet and searching for what we're lost? I should have been expecting this. Yes, you are right, Tom. It is difficult not to see this as a logical consequences of our actions. But to be fair, it's just taking the worst projections and making them manifest. Rising sea levels is something that they've been threatening since the 90s, so it makes sense that the world would feel all too real to you. No kidding. Like the pandemics this book is talking about. It's happening right now in 2020. And look at what it's done to society. I never expected to be the positive one on here, but you're all daft. There's no way the human race is going to let this happen. Are you truly thinking that people will be so desperate that they'll build sex robots? I am not knowing many things in this Canada, but I do know that sex robots are already a thing. A guy just married one last month. You can't be serious. I am. I read it on the interwebs. As for the political aspect of this book, I mean, just look at America. They are on the verge of breaking down socially, and they were supposed to be the ultimate governing state. All of this is très depressing. Oh, man, why is this world hitting me so hard? It feels like the seventh second on a bucket bronco at the rodeo. I should say that it's due to its construction. The world building in here takes up a lot of the book. You're telling me? It's so long and so bloody boring. I can barely keep my hands back from tearing off my own hairs. What the bloody hell happened in Finland anyway? I think what happened in Finland is in the other two books from before this. I didn't realize this was the third book in a series until the author's note at the end. I don't think it was boring at all. Sure, it was slow going, and it's not till the last quarter of the book that things really pick up, but overall, he builds and holds a certain internal consistency that just allows him to add more and more horrible layers to this pained world. Like the blister rust and the sibiosis. Those are such diabolical things to be dealing with. I can really see how they could manifest here. Imagine the damage those two things alone could do. This isn't going to descend into some kind of conspiracy conversation, is it? Because I can't handle that again. No, I told you Jeffrey's not here, and mass extinction is not a conspiracy theory. It is already happening at an alarming rate. The world species are disappearing before our eyes. You sound just like that David Attenborough fella. Sorry, I lost myself there for a moment. This juice headache is really making this difficult. Ah, the story aside, I found the narration to be excellent. How about you, Jay? Jonathan Davis is a great narrator. He's got great pacing and a really good range. I know what you mean. This Mavis Fallo was truly impressive. With his abilities to get all those names correct, they were not of his language. He was very good at making the action intense. That is Jonathan Davis. 
Peter, you gotta learn to read a man's brand right. Anyhow, that's finally something we can agree on. Hey, it was great. I love the narration. His ability to weave the story just made it fly by for me. It was over before I was ready. We kind of have been listening to the same bloody book. That never flew anywhere for me, except maybe out the bloody window if I'd had a physical book to throw. Do you think this Jonathan fella did a poor job? I didn't say that, but I wanted noted that there was no about this book that was fast, except how this author just expected me to understand how this all got this way. That was a quick learning curve. Look, I give up. If you want your books spoon-fed to you, then you're never gonna like the stuff. Then you're never gonna like the same books as me. Use your imagination. Even the thought of imagination is making me feel ill. If nobody has anything else to add to this discussion, let us move on to the voting. No? Good. I feel that getting you out of the way first is a good idea, Bob. Well, if you hadn't realized it yet, I bloody hated it, and I couldn't wait for the godforsaken thing to be over. I give the story a three and the narration a seven. Adding two for the handicap, right? Tom, you go next. I can't believe we still have this sour apple in the booth with us. It must suck to be you. At the moment, it's pure unadulterated torture. But the good news is this'll be over soon and then my day will get brighter. Criminy, Sir Hector, I think the narration deserves a 10 out of 10. He did a great job with a difficult story to narrate. And I'm going to give the author a 9 out of 10. Thanks for that, Tom. Pierre, you're up. Merci, Sir Hector. I feel as though David Jonathan did a good job. His grasp with the other languages for our pronunciation was very impressive. So I give him an 8 out of 10. Jonathan Davis. Oui, him. Mon apologies. As for the author, uh, uh, what was his name? Pablo? Oui, him. I was not as impressed as all of you. I found parts disturbing. For that, I give him a six out of ten. Recording that score? Jay, you are next. I really enjoyed this book. It was rich and diverse, and the plights of the characters seemed all too real. I think Jonathan Davis did a wonderful job, and I give him way more credit than Pierre for his pronunciations. I give him a 10 out of 10. The author is getting a 9 out of 10 from me. The wind-up girl just seemed too real for a character, and some of the things that happened to her aren't pleasant. Yes, I understand, Jay. It affects my rating also. I'm giving Pablo an 8, and I'm giving the narrator an 8 as well. I shall now tally up the votes. Ah, there we are. It looks as though we have an 8.4 out of 10 on narration and a 7.4 out of 10 on story. We, as a group, would like to recommend this audiobook. It is a dystopian world that is all too real, with characters that you cannot help but care about. Who can say if this is our future, but be prepared for rich world-building prior to getting into the action. That is all we have for you today on the 11th episode of the Dog Days of Advent. From all of us here at Masterpiece Audio Theatre, we wish you a good evening and a good night. been listening to Empath Studios' presentation of Masterpiece Audio Theatre. This special edition is for the Dark Days of Advent. This episode was written by J.G. Lenjax and Gary Buzzard. Sound clips are from GarageBand, and they can be found in their samples library. We can be found at nimlast.org, or you can email us at j at jglinejams.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0, unported license. Thanks for joining us.